Welcome to our look at Romans chapter 15 together in Daily Drive Time Devotions. This is day three. We're looking at verses 8 to 16 today. And as we begin our look at these verses, we are beginning with a look at the ministry of Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul has been speaking of accepting one another, and then he immediately begins to talk about the Jew and the Gentile. Now, that makes sense because the Jew and the Gentile had been unaccepting of each other, and Paul is telling them, you're in the church together now, you're fellow believers in Jesus Christ, and so you need to accept one another. And in verses 8 to 13, he clearly lays out the fact that Jesus served the Jews first in order to give the Gentiles, and most of those in Rome to whom he was writing were Gentiles, so he's saying, in order to give you hope, Realize what Jesus did, he said. He came to serve the Gentiles in order that you could have hope. And what he's saying here, as he talks about accepting one another and comes to the end of that passage on our unity in Christ, what he's saying is there is a purpose for all of this. We are together a part of God's plan. In fact, in verses 8 to 13, he quotes no less than four verses from the Old Testament to show that this is true, that God has always had a plan and we're living out, enjoying that plan. Let me read those verses, Romans 15, 8 to 13. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and the Gentiles will hope in him. Four verses, he says, all of them showing again and again and again that this is part of God's plan. And then in verse 13, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's talk about Christ here is the talk of Jesus as being our servant and the difference, the impact that he made because he served us. And that prompts him in verse 14 to begin talking about the fact that he's also been called to be a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ. In fact, these verses, verses 8 to 16, are all about serving. Paul uses no less than three different Greek words for ministry, for serving in this chapter. In verses 8, 25, and 31, he uses the simple word for servant or service. It's the word that we get our English word deacon from, and it simply means to be somebody who serves another. In verses 16 and 27, he uses the word for service in a public office or a temple, the idea of the regular duties of service. And then in verse 16, he uses, well, he uses a word that's used nowhere else in the New Testament. He uses a word that has the idea of performing the sacred duties of a servant in terms of making sacrifices, of a priestly service before God, of giving offerings before him. And we'll see as we walk through this passage, the kind of offering that Paul is talking about here might be different than you think. As Paul talks about serving, you get an insight into the heart of Paul. You get an insight into the heart of Paul's ministry. The apostle Paul may very well be the most used of all God's human servants that ever walked this earth. And when you think of the opportunities he had because of the unique place that God put him and the fact that he was willing to offer himself as a servant in such a way that he could be used in these ways, getting an insight into his heart is an incredible opportunity. And you get an insight into Paul's heart. In fact, we're going to 
start a look at the heart of Paul's ministry today, and we're going to finish it tomorrow, because as you walk through the following verses in Romans chapter 15, you see really 11 qualities built on words that you see in these verses that show the heart of the Apostle Paul, the heart of his ministry. And that's the kind of heart that I want to have, because it's the kind of heart that glorifies God. The first word that you see is in verse 14, and it's the word convinced. If you want to know Paul's heart, you have to understand the word convinced. He says in verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. And in verse 15, he says, I have written you quite boldly on some points as to remind you of them again because of the grace that God gave me. So first you see that word convinced. Paul says, I am convinced I'm convinced that you're able to help one another, that you're full of goodness, that you can grow, that you have the knowledge to serve Christ yourselves. When Paul talks about serving, he doesn't talk about serving those who are helpless. He talks about serving those who have been gifted by God to serve one another. Whenever serving Christ becomes all about me meeting somebody else's need and they need me, and it's almost like I see them as a baby or a preschooler, and they're going to need me the rest of their lives, And I like that because I like being needed. Whenever you allow Christian service to become that kind of service, you've gone down the wrong path because the Bible says the body's supposed to build up the body. We're supposed to serve one another. And one of the reasons that Paul was able to be so incredibly used of God is that he trusted the Holy Spirit's work in the lives of other believers. He didn't feel like he had to spoon feed people the rest of their spiritual lives. He didn't feel like he had to diaper them spiritually until they died. He sensed strongly that he was able to trust the Holy Spirit because he was convinced. He was convinced, not because of who they were, but because of who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is, that they were filled with goodness, that they were complete in knowledge, that they were competent to instruct one another. No matter how somebody is acting, those things are true if they're a believer. And when you're convinced of that and you begin to treat them that way, they begin to live out that truth. So Paul says, convinced. That's one of the things that's behind my heart for ministry. In verse 15, the word boldly is another indication of Paul's heart for ministry. I have written boldly. If you've read any of Paul's letters or read much of them, you know that he is quite bold many times. He does not pull any punches. Now, my question is, how do you speak with that kind of boldness? Because sometimes when I try to speak with that kind of boldness, it puts people off. It chases people away rather than inviting people to make a positive decision in their life. Well, in Paul, you see what works. Sometimes you do have to speak with boldness. Sometimes you do have to speak with frank honesty. But in Paul, you see the example of not doing it for his sake, but he did it for their sake. Sometimes, let's just be honest, when you speak boldly, it's for your sake. Sometimes, I'll be honest, bold words come out of irritation. I feel irritated with a circumstance. I want to move on to the next thing. And so I speak quite boldly. Let's move on to the next thing but it's really because I'm irritated. It's for my sake, not their sake. When Paul spoke with boldness, people always had the sense, this isn't about him, this is about me. Now, they may have blamed him in it. They may even have gotten angry at him in it. It didn't always go well, but they always knew that his heart was that their life might be changed, that his bold words always were born out of love and not irritation or anger. And so he's able to say, that's part of my heart for ministry. I'm bold. That's why God used him in such incredible ways. And then there is this third word in verse 15 that indicates the heart behind the ministry of Paul. He says it's because of the grace 
that God gave me. Again and again and again and again in the Bible, Paul points to God's grace as the motivation for his ministry. One of the reasons I believe that God was able to use him in such a great way is that he had the heart that never forgot grace. He never forgot his need for grace. Even after years of ministry, even after all the successes he'd had in planting churches all over the world, he still tells Timothy in his letter that he considered himself the chief of sinners. He never forgot his need for grace. Now, he didn't condemn himself the rest of his life. He believed in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He didn't believe in guilt. He did believe in grace. So he was able to be honest about himself, honest about his past, and grateful for God's grace. You know what grace does? When I realize that it's all because of grace, then everything I do in ministry is a grateful response to his grace. Whenever you find yourself beginning to think, I deserve this in ministry, or a sense of ownership over this in ministry, or a sense of right over this in ministry, or that worst of words, a sense of entitlement in this area of ministry, whenever you feel those feelings start to creep in, Grace is the answer. Because when I remember grace, I realize it's all just a response, a grateful response to what Jesus has done for me. Let's thank him for his grace. Jesus, your grace, Ephesians reminds us, has been lavishly poured out on us. You didn't deserve it. You gave it to us. And today, in this moment, as we prepare to think about you and to serve you. We remind ourselves of your grace. And remind ourselves that except for you, we would have nothing at all. Nothing that really matters. We wouldn't have a relationship with God. We wouldn't have forgiveness. We wouldn't have the sense of usefulness and significance that can come only from you. And that's just on this planet. As we look forward to eternity, we would be separated from God forever without you. That is grace. And so we put those words together in our heart right now. Grace and gratefulness. And we pray specifically that you'd help us to live today in grateful response to the grace that you've given us. And we pray it, Jesus, in your name. Amen.